0: Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Lakeview Worship Team. It's good to be back with you on this Sunday night. And uh, I want to say thank you again, Pastor Al, Pastor Brian, for the kindness of the opportunity to to be here. It's been already a a blessed day. And I'm so thankful for the chance of being back uh, tonight. uh, Praying for you over these next few days with your International Missions Festival. Hope you'll have some time to talk with The missionaries who are here, those from your church and those who've come in, it really is a blessing in this season to be able to hear from those who are on the front lines about what God is doing around the world and how what you do makes a difference in what they are able to do. The reason they are able to go and to share and to witness and to work is because of the sacrifice and the support that comes from churches like Lakeview. We're in this together. We're better together. And it's interesting we find ourselves in really what is an unusual uh, moment. Uh, I mentioned about uh, talking with my dear friend, Dr. Paul Chitwood, the president of the International Mission Board, and a very close personal friend of mine. And he said, we're really at a most unusual moment, at least in terms of recent IMB history, where what would naturally not be the case is the case. And by that he means Typically, at least, in recent years, the International Mission Board has had more resources and, excuse me, more personnel and not as many resources. In fact, we know that because the IMB went through a period of a lot of initialisms like VRI and HRO where the mission force was thinned out because the funds just weren't there and some folks had to come home. Well, we've actually reached a reverse point. There's more money available today to send than there are actually candidates to go. Now, just contemplate that for just a moment. There are resources to send missionaries, but there aren't enough missionaries in the pipeline to go. It really does put into starker contrast the words of our Lord when he did say, as Pastor Al quoted this morning, that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest would raise up more workers. Let me ask a very simple question tonight. What do those workers look like? What do those workers look like? We were in Acts chapter 8 earlier today in the first part. Now we're going to jump down to the last part, and perhaps a more familiar text for you, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We'll read down to verse 40. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. We'll go down to verse 40. What do those workers look like that Jesus said we should pray the Father to raise up for the unfinished task? Let's stand back together honor the reading of God's precious, authoritative, sufficient word tonight. Follow along in your hearts as I share this word from God's word. And once again, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. The Holy Spirit says through the pen of Dr. Luke, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will ascribe his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that Scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus as he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of our Lord, and thanks be to God tonight. Please be seated, and may God richly bless the reading and study of His word together tonight. It's a story that you know. Undoubtedly, you've heard some preacher, probably Brother Al, eventually Brother Brian, preach on this text. You know it. And it's a straightforward text, not just in terms of the historicity of this account of what happened in that great uh, encounter. But I think it's significant in terms of what we see here in terms of what God desires in terms of those he would use and raise up as workers in his harvest field. Now, you remember from this morning, and I realize you probably had your nap and maybe you've forgotten what happened this morning. We looked at Philip this morning, of course, he was one of those seven deacons chosen there in Acts 6 who was not just a table waiter, he was a powerful evangelist. And he is one who was sent out, goes down to Samaria, and he's preaching there. We saw that back in earlier in Acts 8. And if we'd have kept going, we'd have seen marvelous works that God did. And all of a sudden, in verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and simply said, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza the desert road. In verse 27, so he got up and went. Now, yet again, when we read through our Bible in a year, we're just kind of marking times. We kind of buzz on by that. We keep on moving on to get down as far as we can in the text. But do you realize in just those five English words, exactly what is present here? You see, the first mark, I believe, of the kind of workers that Jesus is desiring to raise up are those who are entirely and absolutely submissive to the leading of the Spirit of God. Entirely and absolutely surrendered to the leadership of the Spirit of God. Angel, of the Lord says, Get up and go south. Verse 27, he got up and went. We see it even a little bit further. Verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. In verse 30, Philip, he doesn't just take a gentle, casual stroll to try to make his way over there. He runs to the chariot. Would to God that we would have such a surrendered heart of obedience so yielded to and under the control and direction of the Spirit that when God says get up and go, we get up and go. When God says go and catch up, we run to embrace God's will. See, for many of us, we're more inclined to speculate and to hesitate than to surrender and to hurry up. You've been there, haven't you? You're standing in the uh, supermarket checkout line and the spirit of the lord's prompting you to say something to that person behind you who's looking at all those magazines they shouldn't be looking at there in the checkout line and immediately the voice of the enemy comes and says don't say anything don't speak up you don't want to make a scene don't 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 do it those moments where during a time of invitation The time of the greatest spiritual warfare in the life of the local, visible church. The Spirit of God is prompting you, saying, get out, go down, talk to somebody, surrender, respond, receive, obey. But bless your hearts, I'm telling you, it is like there is Elmer's glue times 10 right here, right And we just dig in and we hold on like we're not going to let go because, God forbid, if we let go, he might call us to go to Bangladesh. That's the way we think. See, a lot of us are okay with the Spirit's leading if it's not too much, too fast, too far. We want to play it safe. Maybe ask a few questions. Maybe make sure that we're hearing God correctly. And what's so striking about this passage is with Philip, evidently, he was so attenuated to the Spirit. There is not one ounce of hesitation or reservation, not one question and not one doubt. Just total surrender and obedience. In such a way to where when the Spirit speaks, he is eager to respond with all in obedience. That is what the Lord is looking for in the kind of workers he's desiring to raise up for the harvest. But I would submit to you, there's more. Let's keep going. We know, of course, that this Ethiopian man was someone important. He was someone of noble rank, serving the queen of the Ethiopians, one in charge of the treasury. And uh, this man is reading from the prophet Isaiah. Now, we don't have any context as to how he would have had the prophet Isaiah or why he was reading the prophet Isaiah. We don't know. The Spirit wasn't inspired to tell us that. The Spirit does tell Philip to go and join that chariot. And by the way, notice that the Spirit does not tell Philip what's going to happen when he gets to the chariot. You see, a lot of us, if we're going to really sell out and surrender to God's will, we want God to put it up on these big LED screens and kind of give us that panoramic view and show us everything that's going to happen in full detail, all the way out, plan everything out, no surprises. No surprises. And that frankly is just rarely how it works. You remember that little chorus a lot of us learned when we were children if we came to church. They go something like this, thy word is a a lamp unto my feet. Now the old preachers used to have lanterns and they turn off the lights in the sanctuary. And they put that lantern right down near the feet to where, you know what all you can see is? One step ahead, one foot. You can't see the room. You can't see ten steps ahead. You can't see what's over here or over there. All you can see is just what is right in front of you in terms of that one simple step. Philip doesn't ask, but Lord, what about... Well, Lord, is it going to be safe? Lord, is he going to ask me something I can't answer? There's not one question. And so Philip figures out what's happening. Verse 30, he runs up to the chariot and he hears him reading the prophet Isaiah. By the way, for those of you who care about such things, you'll note in a footnote, he was reading from Isaiah 53, verses 7 through 8. Not reading from Deutero Isaiah or 2nd Isaiah, but Isaiah. Here's him reading this. He simply said, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him, looking at the text. And the eunuch asks Philip, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Translation, Philip, I want you to witness to me. That's really what it is. There's a point of contact. He's reading the Hebrew Scripture from Isaiah, reading about the suffering servant. And the eunuch doesn't understand it because the natural man can't receive the things of God. Only those who spiritualize can put it all together. So he asked, is, is he talking about himself or someone else? I, I, I don't know. Help me. Verse 35, Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that Scripture. See, not only was Philip fully obedient surrendered to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he was knowledgeable concerning the Scripture. Now, we don't know where all that knowledge came from because, again, we don't get an extensive biography of Philip before we meet him in Acts 6. But we do know enough about him in terms of the qualifications of Acts 6, that he was someone who was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and he'd been around the apostles in such a way where they knew who he was. And he was someone who wasn't part of the Twelve. He may not have spent three years at the Jesus Theological Seminary like Peter and James and John and Andrew and the others did. But evidently, in that early church, he was someone who heard the word, studied the word, and was ready with the word. Not just to answer a Bible trivia question. Who's he talking about, himself or somebody else? Some folks like to know the Bible trivia answers, but that's not enough. In fact, quite a few of made their way into theological seminaries. They love to figure out how to parse every nifal verb in the Hebrew. And it's a debate how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. And all the other great theological and philosophical questions that you can spend a lot of time with in environments like the one I serve in. But that's never ultimately the goal, is it? No, the goal is to be able to take the Scripture And to be able to lead somebody to Christ and to the gospel. That shouldn't surprise us that that's the purpose of Scripture. John tells us that, doesn't he? If all the books of the world tried to contain everything that Jesus said and did, it would be an impossible task. But these things, this gospel is written, what? So that you may know what? Who Jesus is. And by knowing and believing in him, you will have everlasting life. Remember there on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24? These two guys are walking, and Jesus shows up there. They don't know it's Jesus, and he's talking to them. And he allows them to ask the question, are you the only guy that knows what's been happening around here in these parts? Really? About this man Jesus and what he did? And do you remember what the Bible says Jesus did? Jesus literally gave them the greatest Old Testament survey class you could have ever had. Because he walks through the entirety of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the Bible of Jesus, and he shows up how it all points to Christ. Every bit of it. Philip was able to do what a worker in the field has to be able to do. See, a lot of us, we've been through evangelism explosion or faith witness training or CWT. or Maybe we just learned the Romans road or something else. And and we've got our little uh, prepared, prepackaged approach. And those are good and they have their place. But not everybody you're ever going to meet is going to start where the curriculum says they're supposed to start. Not every conversation is going to actually go according to plan. Do you know enough of the Scriptures to be able to meet somebody where they're at and to be able, as the old preachers used to say, to make a beeline to Jesus? That's what Philip did. He was knowledgeable concerning the Scripture, and he was actually able, he was equipped to lead someone to understand the gospel of Christ, right? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. And again, it's not just a lesson in history, an intellectual exercise. Verse 36, as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water The eunuch said, Look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? Now, again, Dr. Luke doesn't give us a verbatim transcript of how that conversation went. But let me tell you where it eventually got to. Son, if you will turn from your sin in repentance and you'll trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord by faith alone, you will be saved. That's your confession of faith. For if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth these things, you will be saved. With the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth one confesses, resulting in salvation, right? So when that person turns from his or her sin in repentance and trusts Christ, that is a confession of faith. But scriptural baptism is the public profession of that faith. Verbal confession, baptism, the public profession. And nobody should ever get to the waters of baptism for a profession of faith that hasn't already given a confession of faith. And evidently, something happened in that chariot where that eunuch says, there's water. That baptism stuff you were talking about, What keeps me from being able to do that? Now, in some of your translations, verse 37 is there where the eunuch makes that verbal confession of faith. Some translation's in a footnote or it's not there. Whether it's in the manuscript or not, doesn't matter as much because we know that he didn't get to the water without a confession of faith. And the chariot stops and they get out and they go down into the water. And when they go down into the water, the eunuch gets baptized by Philip. And when they came up, well, two went down. One came up and one went off in the spirit to keep going on his way. It's a marvelous encounter. Certainly the presence of the divine is here in a marvelous way, the supernatural work that's here. But I wonder if you've picked up on My overarching point of asking the question what are the characteristics of the kind of workers that Jesus is trying to raise up? People who are obedient to the Holy Spirit's leadership, people who are knowledgeable concerning the scriptures, people who are equipped to actually know how to lead someone to faith in Christ. Do you know that not only describes what Jesus is looking for in terms of the workers for the harvest, do you know what I believe it describes? What should characterize every blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled child of God, including everyone here under the sound of my voice, including every true member of the Lakeview Baptist Church? You see, because sometimes I wonder if we think that the only people God can use in His mission are the super Christians, the the green berets. And we can embrace that kind of thinking to where we really doubt and wonder well, I'm not that special. I'm not that significant. No. If anything, the missionary call is simply an extension of the call of the disciple a call to obedience, a call into the word, and a call to be a witness. That is what workers look like. And bless God, do you know what I see here in this sanctuary at Lakeview Baptist Church on this beautiful Sunday night? Here at this International Missions Festival? Do you know what I see looking out and looking back at me? I see workers for the harvest. Do you love them enough to where your yes is on the altar? That if the Spirit says go, you're ready to run. Are you in the Word to where when those opportunities come, you know what to do to be able to meet somebody where they're at and to take them to Christ and to help them experience the one thing that matters more than anything else in this life, the power of the gospel to bring dead people to life. What about you? Let's work until Jesus comes. Father, tonight, we're so thankful for these moments together around your word. God, you are so wonderfully good to us. You are better than we deserve because you've given to us everything. New life, new purpose, A new name, a new family, a new destiny, a new mission. Father, the missionary call is a call for all of us. Because if we're saved, we're sent. It may be a missionary call here in Lee County, it may be a missionary call somewhere else in Alabama, maybe a missionary call somewhere else across America. It may be a missionary call to the nations. Father, tonight, in this time of invitation and response, I pray the Spirit of God would fall fresh upon us. Challenge us, O God. Convict us in every area where we have grieved and quenched and bound the work of the Spirit in our lives. May we repent and confess that tonight. Father, in areas where we would have to admit we do not know the word enough. We don't know how to lead someone to Christ. The first step is recognition. The next step is to do something about it. That's what this week is for. That's what this invitation is for tonight. Have your own way, Lord. Do business right here and right now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Christ. Thanks for worshiping with us today. If you felt the Lord leading you to respond today, whether that was to receive Christ for the first time or to take your next step in baptism, or if you have a prayer request, we want to start that conversation with you. Visit lakeviewbaptist.org contact to get in touch with one of our pastors. And as always, you can stay connected with us through our social media and website.